Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I am your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. Today, instead of uh, talking about a specific news or product announcement, we will discuss a recent event and the takeaways from it. The event is the Analyst Summit that Silicon Player Marvel Technology had it a few days ago. Uh, there were no specific announcements at the event, but it was more of a company executives giving an update on the state of the company, the opportunities and challenges that are in front of them, company's strategy to address them and so on to a set of analysts. The event was divided into three parts. The first part was executives and the business heads presenting their views, followed by a little bit of a detailed technical discussion uh, session on different industries and the businesses Marvel uh, plays in, concluding with the open uh, Q&A with uh, Marvel CEO, uh, Matt Murphy. Uh, I'll discuss the takeaways from the event with my good friend and fellow analyst, Leonard Lee of Next Curve. We both attended the summit at uh, Marvel's headquarters in Santa Clara. And I'm delighted to actually welcome Leonard back to the show. We had him... Uh, couple of months ago discussing i think um, vision pro from apple so, uh, leonard welcome back to the show hey thanks for having me it's good to be back on you know looking forward to this chat uh and and talking about uh, uh marvell's industry analyst day and uh, feel free to give a plug uh, on your company and your work yeah sure so um i'm the executive analyst at next curve and uh, we're a research firm based here in San Diego. So Prakash and I are neighbors. We bump into each other quite a bit. And uh, you can find our research at www.next-curve.com. And, uh, you know, we broadly cover, you know, topics across TMT or technology, media, and uh, telecommunications. Uh, And so, yeah, um, great to be back on, as I said, Prakash, and this should be a fun chat. Indeed. Uh, Again, Thank you very much for coming over. Uh, Let's get started. I think the event was very well organized. Uh, It is my third year attending, second year in person. Mm. Uh, First year, I could not because at another event. Mm. What I like uh, this event is it's not a large marketing show, but a cozy event uh, only with few analysts, maybe 30, 40 of them, definitely less than 50, uh, which uh, Mm. enabled very open and focused discussion rather than just... uh, repeating the corporate messaging, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what what did you think of the event itself? Well, it was my first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I kind of loosely cover Marvell, um, you know, as, uh, you know, most folks know, they're one of the smaller players in the market, albeit one mm-hmm. that's quite dynamic and has made its name for itself, especially with the advent or renewed interest in, you know, AI, thanks to the generative AI hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I mean, I thought it was a very well put together program. Uh, I was actually mm-hmm. really surprised at the density of the content as well as the schedule. So they kept us busy. Uh, it was one day, right? Yeah. But um, they managed to cover most of their business, although I thought... As someone coming in new uh, to the actual uh, industry analyst day, I, I thought it was heavily weighted toward um, their uh, new AI 
uh, narrative. And uh, I, I don't think they had that last year because we had heard a lot about um, their network play, their open RAN play, especially going into MWC. So, um, you know, one of the things that I did notice was huge emphasis uh, on AI or what they call um, accelerated, well, you know, accelerated computing, if you will, for the data center. Uh, I, I thought that that was the big impression that they wanted to press upon the analysts is that they are a player in that um, in, in that domain. Yeah, indeed. And uh, when I attended last time, I mean, they still talked about the same subjects without mentioning AI by name. It was more about data centers, interconnect, yeah. compute, and so on. I mean, compared to last year, what I found a little bit different and refreshing and good is last year, it was basically mm-hmm. different business heads coming in, you know, making uh, the case for their own businesses and, and so on, discussing the opportunities and so on and how good they are doing. Sure. But this year, they had a good uh, theme that they put in place in the opening session that we had with... Uh, Chris Koopman, so who's the CEO, yeah. saying that AI is big, it is you know not nothing new, but uh, the key things that are needed uh, for AI, are from their point of view, uh, compute, which I agree, and transport, which is you know connectivity as well as the mm-hmm. switching, right. and uh, you know, and they are leaders and you know have a large market share and making a lot of uh, headways in those markets, so. You know, the whole AI narrative is very well set for them. So, and, uh, you know, and I looked at the different sessions, even the in-depth sessions in the later half, we're kind of always uh, connecting back to that theme that, okay, two things big in AI are compute and uh, transport and connectivity. And we are, you know, we are leaders there. And everything that I talked about was how we are improving both on, on both of those fronts, which kind of, you know, made sense. And also uh, for somebody to remember, you know, going back after those very dense sessions of full uh, day, you can always relate relate back and think about what they talked about. Oh, those are the two things. So it, it was uh, very impactful in my view. Yeah. Um, one, I, I don't know what it was like last year, but maybe you can um, provide me with some feel for what it was like last year but this year mm. what i the impression that i got was interconnect was like the huge thing right um like you mentioned uh computer is important mm-hmm. they definitely have a play there with some of the custom things that they're doing yeah and we'll probably touch upon that later on mm-hmm. but um interconnect i mean um this whole idea of network fabric for ai mm-hmm. um being able to support uh, new topologies, new architectures within the data center as well as outside of the data center, and then when you look at the rack between, you know, within the rack, and uh, that a lot of that really, I think, um, said a lot about how Marvell is looking at the opportunity and maybe that might even be more sustainable or important going forward uh, than the compute part, because, you know, on the compute end, there's a lot of competition, you know, albeit on interconnect there is as well, but, you know, um, Mm -hmm. their legacy in 
uh, Photonics, which they touted quite a bit. So, uh, you know, Noi Nguyen, who is the EVP of um, yeah. Optics, he had a lot of stage time, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, he talked, I mean, he spent a lot of time talking about uh, the next gen interconnect technologies and the kind of um, network infrastructures that would become possible for AI. And they really emphasize quite a bit how AI is different from general purpose compute. Um, you know, like everyone else, they're kind of giving general, you know, general purpose computing a really hard time. Although I think maybe that's kind of, a, uh, you know, if you want to call it sort of a false equivalency, uh, you know, AI computing itself is, is a different kind of workload, right? Um, and, you know, you have general purpose computing. It's definitely fit for purpose for, you know, what we think in terms of, uh, you know, traditional software. But, you know, the AI computing, yeah, it, we're probably talking about a different kind of curve. And lots of talk about the accelerated uh, computing infrastructure, right? And, and you, we've heard this, you know, from Jensen Huang of uh, NVIDIA for a few years already. Um, how heterogeneous computing is is enabling um, you know new kind of compute models to support these uh, AI the emerging AI workloads and in particular with Gen AI um, the the need to scale at a very very massive level right um, that uh, you know is. I think what Marvell thinks is going to drive a demand for these new and emerging advanced uh, interconnect technologies uh, gravitating toward, um, you know, photonics. Uh, correct. And and last year as well, they had yeah. the optical connectivity oh. was a huge part of the presentation as well. And, and then their leadership there. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for them <laughs> to tout it. Yeah. And also, I mean, the, the data centers are growing, uh, and interconnect is becoming a, a challenge and it's a need, right? Uh, moving from right, right. simple copper to electrical uh, or optical, uh, you know, uh, connectivity. So I think yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And about uh, compute, I, I kind of, uh, you know, believe what they were saying that uh, custom compute is becoming uh, mainstream. I mean, they were the yeah. probably the uh, uh, earliest ones to start. And if you look at, how the hyperscalers are moving it used to be depending on third-party generic compute but AI workload itself is becoming so specific and so uh, focused custom yeah. optimized compute for that specific workload i think makes sense and uh, and we've seen that hyperscalers are looking at that right i mean amazon is far ahead compared to others microsoft uh, is making noise as well Google, of course, has been investing in a lot of TPU. So, so looking at Gen AI, most of it is on GPU right now. But uh, I see a curve where it will move to heterogeneous, you know, which which means you know different kinds of compute. And uh, these hyperscalers focusing on uh, their own, yeah. or, you know, with collaboration, somebody a specific uh, compute, you know, designed and optimized for their own workload. Yeah. And and whoever is providing that kind of, uh, you know, competence to them, not just yeah. taking off the shelf uh, platform and then selling it to them, I think there'll be interest, uh, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you know, you got to kind of look at it as like everyone trying to create their own walled gardens, right? Trying to uh, create an optimized stack and maybe, you know, some of the things that we talked about, or at least some of the uh, side side conversations I had with the Marvell executives, we talked about, um, you know, model specific optimization. So literally silicon mm-hmm. geared toward a particular model. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's like custom ASICs for a particular model to tune into the way that that particular model behaves and then um, designing the silicon uh, to uh, drive efficiency and foster sustainability. Sustainability. I mean, it wasn't really huge, huge topic but obviously it's a big concern given how power hungry uh these um you know applications are right whether it's the the model training uh workloads and efforts or the inference and so lots of interesting things happening there but you know apparently some bets to to move away from GPU, uh, let's say, yeah. centric solutions, right? So my, my, I don't know if it spells bad, uh, you know, bad news for NVIDIA, you know, regardless, whatever silicon you're using, whatever stack you're using, uh, interconnect is still important. And it seems like, you know, Marvell act, at least has that to fall back on as the AI, uh, the gen AI tie continues to, to lift everybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and I also think, I mean, it is not a immediate cutover, but if you look long term, I think definitely uh, custom silicon has a major role to play in inference training. Uh, we'll have to see whether they can replace GPUs, whether GPUs, because they're all concentrated in one uh, location and a few locations. They might provide better solution, at least in the short term, maybe in the long term as well. but but on the inference side, I definitely see uh, you know role for custom silicons. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I was at this uh, MediaTek uh, analyst event a few weeks ago, and guess what? Although they are in terms of shipping, they are number one, uh, yeah, off the shelf SOC silicon providers. But they were also talking quite a lot about uh, custom silicon, especially for AI workloads, because I think it's a very large market for for all the silicon providers, right? Yeah. And um, the other thing that I thought was pretty interesting is mm-hmm. all of this like culminates into a, a story that I think they've been trying to work on for quite some time, which is, you know, this pivot toward, uh, you know, a diversification of their business away from consumer toward um, data infrastructure. And I thought, I think a lot of folks think that that was a good bet that yeah. Matt Murphy made uh, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, I think that whole data infrastructure discourse is now turning into, you know, this new buzzword that they're coining, which is accelerated infrastructure. Correct. Right. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to play that out as the the generative AI uh, wave continues to, you know, ebb and flow. Yeah. Um, but um you know, definitely that seemed to be one of those points that they really wanted to make is that they're a key enabler of this idea of accelerated uh, infrastructure. Correct. They did the pivot, uh, I think, three years ago, which I think, uh, you know, timing wise seems to be working out for them. And they, they're kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we've been working on this from last three years, you know, pivoting to 
the data infrastructure and then when they are yeah. kind of set set on it and yeah. this uh, upsurge of uh, yeah. ai comes in so they they're well placed if they can play well and exploit that market so boards well i mean i think they're still uh, yeah. uh, not making profit uh, i think the target target is to yeah. have profit uh, by 2026 within 3 years so if the ai um, traction and you know might even call hype continues for that long so that boards well for uh, for their yeah. uh, expected uh, uh, profit timeline yeah and um speaking of that i mean even if i you know it, it's such a volatile situation right now right yeah you know there's all kinds of interesting signals in the market yeah in terms of the let's call it the integrity of the the, the gen ai um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, one of the things that impressed me, and I don't know if you got this impression in previous analyst days, mm-hmm. is their investments in R&D. You know, they are looking at, you know, they're basically uh, touting and investing heavily and continuing to invest in things like silicon photonics, uh, you know, um, next generation, uh you know, optical uh, and um, switches, as well as, um, you know, investments, uh, you know, like, for instance, five nanometer uh, technology for their silicon designs. Now, uh, looking at now three nanometer going forward, you know, they have kind of this um, technology portfolio strategy, where they can go to market in some of these expansion um, markets, uh, that they're pursuing at the moment, like automotive and the, you know, open RAN network and such, where I think they can kind of pivot really quickly. And so as the different um, markets shift and, and there's, um, you know, let's say an adjustment that they can make, um, they there's some leverage that they have there, uh, which I'd like to see whether or not they can uh, capitalize on if things get a little bit volatile, you know, especially going into 2024. Yeah. So, um, but those investments look like they, they were uh, done pretty um, diligently or wisely. Um, I guess we'll see how wise, uh, you know, if um, there is this need for them to uh, pivot and make adjustments as uh, the generative AI opportunity, um, you know, evolves because it will. It's not going to be the same. Um, it'll be d- different from what we see today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, as other uh, markets start to uh, you know run their their cyclical course, whether it's on the telco side or automotive. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean uh, that's another major bet uh, they did. You know. Basically, yeah. investing heavily and getting access to the fine nanometer when it was pretty new and using that for custom. I think that was a big bet. I think so far it seemed to have paid off for them. And I think they mentioned they are also, you know, focusing on being the lead in uh, three nanometer and two nanometer uh, nodes as well. So they, they continue to invest, uh, you know, getting the latest node into their portfolio so that's interesting and and you mentioned about uh, automotive which you know it, they they talk quite a lot uh, as well 
during the event uh, going in i mean for automotive the, the big the, the big market was socs right i mean there are multiple players there that's an interesting field but marvel is looking at it from a different angle which is ethernet yeah i knew ethernet is getting a lot of traction and becoming a kind of a standard for interconnects in vehicles yeah but i did not know it's that big a market and uh, it's picking up and uh, current leader is broadcom um, and i've heard from people in the industry that they are not too much focused on uh, in in that market so you know which makes uh, huh. marvel t- much easier to pick up uh, market share what what was your view of it they talk quite a lot about ethernet how how it's becoming the fabric of uh, not only next generation the current generation yeah automotive as well as you're moving into zonal architecture right yeah and you know speaking of zonal i think the infusion or the architecture of the car itself as it moves from like semi zonal mm-hmm. uh, you know like the domain from domain to semi zonal to zonal mm-hmm. right. Uh, the content's going to change, the capabilities and requirements are going to change. And so, you know, one of the things that uh, Marvel clearly recognizes that there's going to be this evolution that's going to happen over time mm-hmm. and probably a decade's time. Yeah. And it'll take time for the more advanced, um, uh, you know, the more mature, let's say, uh, full zonal architectures to uh, permeate beyond, let's say, certain premium classes or segments of the automotive uh, market over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, there w- they did mention, yeah, this is kind of a longer term bet because the auto industry is so slow. Um, when you look at SDV or software defined vehicle, mm-hmm. it's a huge re-architecting of the vehicle, yeah. right? And even though there's a lot of companies that are looking at, you know, automakers that are looking at this transformation it's not a trivial one. And, you know, the standards for SDV, uh, whether it's at the software or the hardware level, still a lot of things that have to get worked out. But there's been progress because, you know, even two years ago, two, three years ago, Ethernet was kind of a thing that people were going, oh, okay, you know, um, maybe not quite yet, right? But there seems to be some traction and uh, I guess the real question here is how quickly uh, will the automotive um, players or the automakers, uh, you know, accelerate this, um, uh, you know, re-architecting of the vehicle, you know. But I think their sweet spot and the big opportunity is really going to be when there's that transition to, to zonal, right? Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and that's where the automakers are going to find the most benefit in terms of cost reduction, right? Because there was mentioned something like if you stretched out the wires of a, you know, a domain, um, you know, a domain architecture vehicle, it would be like several miles or something like that, right? And then there's a ton of manual labor, human labor that goes into wiring a, a, a vehicle of that type. And, um, you know, the zonal architectures uh, reduce that wiring uh, tremendously. But then also from a compute standpoint, you're also reducing the number of ECUs and, uh, you know, other components in the car. And, 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 you know, you're looking at more of a, let's say, a consolidated uh, compute architecture, more centralized in certain ways, right? Yeah. Uh, like a semi-distributed model versus the heavily distributed that we see in most vehicles today. 
Yeah, indeed. I mean, the the whole uh, Ethernet uh, penetration in cars will go hand in hand with uh, uh, semi-zonal uh, and zonal architecture. So in, it it will take a long time for the whole industry to move over. But uh, there are definitely good signs that architecture is moving towards that. And initially, it was thought, oh, when you've got EVs, the whole architecture is changing and this will be part and parcel of that. But even otherwise, I think uh, many OEMs, even in their IC engine cars, are moving towards it, mainly because of IVI and other reasons, not just because of EV, right? That's that's interesting to know. And I think yeah, yeah. they mentioned that most yeah, most of the most of their customers for Ethernet right now are IC engine designs and so on, which is which is interesting, right? So Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that's a great so, so, so another thing then I had a you know a side chat with um, a couple of the executives. So in terms of uh, you know Ethernet is is an interesting story and seemed to be good and working out for them. Also, they have tons of compute IP which could make uh, SOC for uh, automotive as well, right? They have a huge custom compute uh, business as such. So. You know, if you look at IVI mm. and you know self driving and other compute needs in modern cars, they they could put together something uh, similar. I think uh, it was interesting to hear that. I mean, they, they they do believe they have good IP in terms of uh, hardware, in terms of silicon, but they say much bigger uh, play there is having good and right software to make use of that hardware uh, software that is optimized for auto workload which they say is a huge investment and that's what is kind of uh, stopping them uh, or rather you know making them think twice before jumping into that which is an interesting uh, comment uh, saying that software going into these cars is a major deal right so you know says a lot about software defined radio that you're mentioning yeah yeah you know we always have to talk about security right that was like one of the things that i was really interested in figuring out well especially with gen ai yeah what, what are some of the security and privacy things that mm-hmm. they're uh, looking at but for the most part i thought mm-hmm. um marvell didn't really touch on that much outside of a, a security session that they held which was very sparsely mm-hmm. populated <laughs> so you know um sadly yeah. interest in security is not very high although they did want to make a point that uh, you know, they have this um, offering called Liquid Security, and they geared it for 5G, but it's really uh, provides an HSM, uh, uh-huh. you know, solution for, you know, root of trust or, you know, providing trust for uh, devices. So, you know, whether it's eSIM or what have you, you can uh, <laughs> uh, certify and validate and authenticate, you know. Um, uh, things at the edge, right? Um, and so that was kind of cool. Didn't get a lot of. Uh, I see. Didn't get a lot of love. <laughs> yeah, I did not go uh, for that session because I mean you had to pick and choose. So yeah, uh, uh, I, I yeah. did not go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I initially thought it was like a um, like some sort of new software protocol or whatever, but it ends up being a um, uh, an you know, a card, a PCIe card that you can in- install in a, a server that can provide those security services yeah. and trust, uh, uh, you know, trust features. So 
that was kind of cool. And I'm sure they'll be glad that I mentioned it, but I'm mentioning it because I think it's so important. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like two people in there other than me. Uh, interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, if that was a standalone session, I would have gone. But yeah, there are, there are many other things I directly cover, so I did not go. But yeah, glad that you mentioned. Any, anything else you want to cover? No, I mean, you know, I had a couple of like, you know, I'm I'm not, um, you know, I don't follow optical all that much. I do, you know, kind of generally because of you know the industry you and I both. Um, mm-hmm you know, cover uh, mutually, which is the telco industry and transport's mm-hmm. absolutely important. But yeah, I mean, I think um, these guys are very um, focused on data center, um, but I think uh-huh. they have a lot of potential, uh, you know, outside of the data center as well. You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting are some of the, uh, you know, occasional mentions of inter yeah. data center connect, right? Because they're, I think, mostly known for like short haul you know, within the data center type interconnect or within, you know, inner rack type mm-hmm. um, interconnect. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, it seems like there may be some additional opportunities or at least pivot, uh, you know, paths for them uh, if things change. Uh, their executives didn't seem to mm-hmm. see it, which I thought was interesting. Um, but maybe, you know, speaking of, um, you know, what I'm um, interested in seeing next year is number one, how all this Gen AI stuff, yeah. you know, pans out, right? But then also, you know, um, edge computing is such a huge uh, topic, whether it's hybrid, you know, due to, you know, hybrid cloud or edge a or edge or hybrid AI, yeah. you know, um, what are, what, are, what is the demand and need for interconnect going to look like as um, you know those those trends and um, you know uh, start to unfold and mature. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I had mentioned it to them last year as well that they don't seem to think edge as a target market for them, which could be right. There's so much happening on the edge now. They mostly focused on the data center itself, right? So yeah, that's an interesting observation. Exactly. Yeah, even though they do play yeah, at the yeah. edge because they got they have a um, they have an accelerator card for baseband. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't know how much yeah. more edge you can get than that, other than on device. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, makes you wonder if the left hand is talking <laughs> to the right hand. So, but <laughs> yeah, and then all right. <laughs> Yeah, th- that was an interesting uh, yeah. discussion, Leonard. Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming over yeah. and th- coming back to the show <laughs> and sharing your views. Absolutely. And it was an interesting discussion. Um, we'll see how things uh, unfold for them uh, as uh, Jenny I, you know, evolves and uh, and see whether it yeah. you know, continues the momentum and the traction goes even higher gear or lower gear. Mm-hmm. We'll see yeah. how, how yeah. things uh, turn out. And uh, uh, again, thank you very much. Um, and uh, as uh, Leonard mentioned, you can find all of uh, Leonard's work on uh, his website, www.next-curve.com. Uh, he has tons of content there, uh, you know, briefs, articles, podcasts, and many more. Again, thank you, Leonard. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. So, folks, that's all we have for now. Hope you found this discussion informative and useful. If so, please Hit like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening this on. 
Don't forget to check out uh, our uh, previous episodes of the podcast uh, and articles related subject and so on on our website www.tantraanalyst.com. I'll be back very soon with another episode putting light on another interesting uh, tech subject. Bye bye for now.